I guess, uh, is next going out today. But before next goes out, I just wanted to point out that it is Catherine Obremsky's birthday today. So make sure you, you tell her happy birthday as you see her. Not to embarrass her or anything. That's, not, that's totally not within me to, to embarrass anybody. You're welcome. All right. Uh, thank you, Ken. And thank you. And I just wanted to wait till they got out to go to the next part because I was wishing her happy birthday and then I didn't want to go right into the whole September 11th thing. Uh, I figured that's probably not a good thing or it could be a big downer. But, you know, today is, is you know, a day to celebrate for, for Catherine and for her life that was brought into this world. But for a lot of people, this is a day of mourning. This is a, a day of, of much loss both for those that died tragically and those that gave their lives to try to save as many as that they could. And, you know, it's, it's amazing to see that when, you know, tragedy strikes the nation or tragedy strikes, that everybody turns to the church to know that there is an underlying desire that, that men have, whether they, they know Jesus or not, to, to turn to something. But there's also a tragedy within that, that the church, many of those people didn't stay in church. They went, they, they were able to maybe deal with their problems, or maybe they never dealt with it, and that's why they left the church. But there should be a recognition that Jesus is more than just there for tragedy. Jesus is there for celebration. Jesus is there for forgiveness. Jesus is there for love. And we as the church need to be that representation. All right? So this morning, this, this message, it's, a, it's the idea of, are we bearing the image of Christ? Is that what we're doing? Because I think if we were truly bearing the image of Christ as a church in general, there would be more people coming to know Jesus. Somehow, we as Christians have gotten to a place where we are not imitating Jesus the way that we should. And because of that, people are getting a false image of who God is and of who Jesus is. And like I said, that is a, a huge tragedy. But this morning, uh, I want to dive into the idea that, you know, I think most of us in this room love a good spy movie, right? Anybody like spy movies? What about James Bond? Any James Bond fans in the room? Jason Bourne fans? Uh, Master of Disguise fans, anybody? Turtle, turtle. <laughs> Mission Impossible, I mean, come on. They said the, the last two Mission Impossible movies are about to come out. It's a two-parter or something like that. But it's still going. We're on like eight or nine. It's like, I think them and the Fast and the Furious saga are like trying to compete to see who can have more. But anyway, but there's a lot of good spy movies out there that we can enjoy and we can watch. 
And the thing that we often love about spy movies, other than the action, is that there is always a risk for the main character to be caught. And the job of, of a spy in itself is to infiltrate, to sneak in, to, to blend in, to gather information and then bring it back to where they came from. And sadly, we as Christians often act like spies. We try to sneak into the world and we try to blend in. And when we gather information, we bring it back here rather than take the information we learn here out there. We just have this, for some reason, a, a desire to, to withhold, to blend in, so that way we don't have the risk of, of being caught in, as though we are a spy to be tortured in our country, right? When the actuality is that we are not called to be spies, we are called to be ambassadors. And the difference between spies and ambassadors, the spy will blend in, whereas the ambassador stands out and is a representation of where they came from. An ambassador can walk in, a, in another nation and people recognize who he is. He has a home at the embassy. He has uh, what is called uh, the di diplomatic immunity, right? That he is safe to, or they are safe to walk around and not necessarily be persecuted for and held to the, the laws and the standards of that nation, right? That's what diplomatic immunity is, right? And as ambassadors of Christ, we can recognize that we are not from this world ultimately. That we are currently ambassadors walking around in a world that we are not bound to those laws. I'm not saying go out there and be rebellious and do all kinds of, no anarchy. We don't need that stuff. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about the idea that there are so many things that this world says that we should do that is against the Bible, and we cannot continue to live by those standards. We cannot continue to go down that road, because when we start to go down that road, we again become spies, and we just begin to blend in and look like everybody else. Matthew 5, verse 14. It says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What does that say? Does that say be a spy? It does not say be a spy. It says that if you are a spy, you are hiding yourself under a basket and not allowing the light to shine, whereas we are called to be ambassadors, and those are people that, that will shine the light before others to say where they're from, to represent where they're from, so that, what? They may see good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So as we represent who Jesus is, as we, we do everything we can to be ambassadors, to do the good works for God, we can bring glory to our Father. And that's why we're here. And this, 
This chapter, although very interesting in many different ways, starts off with a very simple but very difficult passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Wow. How many of you in this room would boldly walk around saying that? Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And this is a side note, I think, since so many Christians feel that they cannot bear that passage, that they cannot live out that passage, is why discipleship is not happening. If we do not have the boldness to say that uh, I am like Christ, please follow me. I desire to be more and more like him. I imitate him with my life. If we can't have the boldness to say that, how can we replicate that into others? And how can we teach others to walk that way? And it starts with this. If we are imitators of Christ, we are not going to look like everybody else. We are going to to stand out. We are not going to, to look the way that the world looks because if we know how to be imitators of Jesus, some things that we can recognize is that he was not like anybody else. And to know someone, to know how to imitate someone is to know that person and have a relationship with them. If we want to be able to imitate Christ, we have to spend time with him. We have to be in prayer. We have to be reading our words. We have to have a desire to be like him. If we don't know our Bibles and we don't know how to pray and we don't know how to walk this thing out, how can we imitate who Jesus is? Is this why the church can't imitate Jesus? Is because we don't know how? And if we don't know how, how is the rest of the world going to know? One thing we can all agree on is that Jesus was very loving and he deeply cared for other people. This is a good start. This is a good place for the church to start is for us to be a people that love those around us and deeply care for them. But often, this world teaches us to just be a shell. No deep. (laughs) Just to live on the surface and never really get to know anybody. Jesus knew what was going on in people's lives, and he took the time to care for them. The thing that, that drew people to Jesus is that he was very different than the other religious leaders. Jesus was, was so different that the religious leaders literally hated him. They hated what he stood for. They hated what, what he did, and they were constantly after him. But Jesus knew what they were doing was not representing him and his father well. They were keeping people in a place of bondage where our God is a God of love and he wanted to show love and care for those that were around him. Jesus was very countercultural. He recognized the toxicity and the emptiness of the culture. 
Jesus recognized the areas of the culture that the religious leaders were pushing and going after and realized it was empty. Realizing that it was pushing people away rather than drawing them to the Father, putting them in a place where they thought that they could never get to a place where they could spend time with God because of the sin that bared them down. But as we know, Jesus went to all kinds of people. And what did he say? I did not come, or I came for the sick, right? I did not come for the healthy, but I came for the sick. And many of the times when he would go to the sick, he would, feel, he would be getting judged by other people. Why are you sitting with them? Why is your master doing that? Why, 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 why? Constantly in a state of questioning. If we want to see, if we want people to see Jesus in us, we must be different. We must be light in the darkness. If we continue to blend in, if we continue to just live in the same way as the culture is, when tragedies like 9-11 happen, how's anybody going to know where to go? Yeah, going to church is great. But getting to know a Christian, a real Christian, is much better. Building relationships within the church, building around people that are going to love you through that tragedy and love you beyond that tragedy. That's what this world needs, is Christians that love and that know who Jesus is and can walk out the walk. You know, it, it brought a whole new perspective to me as we imitate Christ in, in Genesis chapter 1, 26. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So it's not only the fact that we are to imitate Jesus, but we also need to remember that we are the living image of Christ. We are the living image of our God, and we are created in his likeness that we were born with a moral compass within us. That we are born with an innate ability to want something greater, to, to, to worship our God. And that eternity is within our hearts, that we desire something beyond this world. So we not only bear the ability to, to imitate Christ, we bear the image of Christ. And when we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we now bear the name of Christ. And the truth is, when, when people meet us, are we representing who Jesus is? What kind of Jesus are people seeing when they meet you, when they meet me? That's a deep question. How are each of us individually representing the God of the universe, the Jesus that died on the cross for us, that loved the world so much? What does it mean to not just love like Jesus, but share in his likeness? 
to live like him, to desire to be more and more like him every single day. Because there are people in this world, none of us have ever met Jesus face to face, but most of us have met somebody that represented him. There's many people in this world that say that they've represented him, but maybe have not. You know, it's, I could really go all day just on that verse. But let's take a look as to where Paul went from here. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Now you're just like, what in the world does this have anything to do with that first verse? But if we are to become, become imitators of Christ, it first, first starts with a place of recognition and submission. That God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of all of us. And, and we as men are to live in submission to him. Men and women living in submission to God. We must come to the realization that we are not the leader or the, even the owner of our own lives. So often we want to be at the steering wheel. We want to continue to drive our own lives even after we call on Jesus and give our lives over to him. We're like, yeah, I'll give you this. No, I won't. Yeah, here you go. No, it's mine. We constantly live in this flux of handing the steering wheel and then taking it back or, or jerking the steering wheel when Jesus is trying to drive in one way. Or the fact that we no longer own ourselves. Jesus paid that high price for all of us. Jesus and God are the leaders of our lives and our ultimate authority. We need to be living in submission to what the word of God says. We need to be living in submission to what God speaks to us individually. You know, Ken and, and I were, and Gino and, and Dee were talking about this, and, and Ken said that uh, this whole series seems to be around two things, the idea of freedom, but there is responsibility that goes with that freedom. And it's true that we are free in Jesus, but there's a lot of responsibility that goes with it. And sometimes we like to lean a little bit too much into the freedom and forget the responsibility parts. You know, that, that verse in here that says that the, the head of a wife is her husband, what I want to say with that is, men, this is a challenge for you. We should be leading our wives and our children in how to live a submitted life to Jesus. We should be that example. Our wives should see the value in following us. If we as men are called to be the head of the household, we need to give our wives a reason to follow us. 
And a big part of that is that we can show them, we can imitate Christ in a way of being in submission to our God, and then they can know how to. It's our discipleship of our family. That's what we are called to, men. Young men, if you are not married, this is something that you can strive to grow to be. To get yourself ready to live your life in submission to God now and be that example to your family. We need to be in that recognition that we do not own our own lives. Going with the the freedom of sin, we now have given ourselves over to Jesus. And trust me, sometimes I want to be in lead of my life, but when I lead my life, it doesn't go well. It's much easier to put our lives in the hands of Jesus, even though sometimes it doesn't seem like it. You know, Ken also said that him and Sandy were thinking about bringing doilies for all the women to wear this morning. <laughs> they were going to have a little basket here in the back, so that way, as, as, as the women came in, they could w- wear the doilies. And you understand why, why I said that here in a second, as, as we continue in the chapter. I'm not making, I'm not making fun of, of anything that, anybody that does that, but we just were talking about it this morning. It says in chapter 11, verse 4, Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head, but every wife who prays or prophesies with her her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair or shave her head, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. I'll be honest, I wanted to read the entire chapter on the front end and just kind of see where it kind of went from there, uh, rather than just breaking it down, just to see the reactions in the room. But what we need to understand from this is that we need to understand the things in culture around us and the things that can cause us to look like everyone else. You know, this, this passage is a representation of what was going on in the culture of the time. It's not about the idea that men should not wear hats and, and women should wear coverings. The reality is that we need to understand why Paul was saying this because if they were not wearing, or if men were wearing a head covering, what it meant, and if women weren't wearing a head covering, what that meant for them. Because see, back in this time, when men would wear hoods, it was a representation that they were worshiping false gods. Because that's what the, those that, that, that worshiped the Roman gods, they would put a, head, or a hood over their head in a, in a place of worship and prophesying to a false god. So if men were doing that at this time, it was giving a false perception as to who they were worshiping. Or maybe it was not just that they were giving a false sense of what the worshiping was, but maybe they were trying to hide who they were really worshiping because they didn't want the persecution. So Paul is calling them out and saying, hey, you should not be wearing this because it looks like you're 
worshiping a false god. As for women, what it meant to not wear a head covering is like wearing very scandalous or sexualized clothes. It was the representation that if you were not wearing a head covering, that you were morally loose, sexually available, or even a prostitute. So that's what it meant for women to not wear a head covering. So as you can see as to why they were saying, hey, you should not be worshiping without this because what you're looking like is a prostitute. Does this give a little bit more clarity as to what is going on here to to understand the cultural relevance of what people were portraying by by not following what Paul was saying? is that it's easy for us to just blend into the culture or do what people are doing to not draw attention to ourselves. It is easy to see the direction of culture and it is easy to to flow into it. But if we are blending in and not showing the God we serve, we are no longer imitating Christ. So we can look into our our culture and we can see what things represent God and what things don't represent God or or maybe that we just kind of do something because we think that it's cool or we think that it's trendy or we think that, hey, I want to do this because everybody else is doing it. If we are doing that blindly and not understanding what those things mean, we are walking into a trap. So we as Christians need to be representing Jesus, to not look like everybody else, to follow what Jesus did, to be countercultural in those areas that we need to be. First John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in this world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. We need to be living in a place where our love is more for God than for this world. But it is so easy to see the things that are going on in culture and just go right into the flow and believe it's all okay. That when the culture says, hey, this is fine, go ahead, pursue that, do this, do this. We need to check, is that what God is saying? Because if it's not, we shouldn't be going down that road. So again, to be imitators of Christ, we have to know Christ. We have to know what he is telling us to do. We have to know in his leading and follow his leading. We need to recognize the parts of culture that do not bear the image of Christ and are accepted as okay. Much has already been accepted in the modern day church. There are so many things that have gone on within this culture that have bled into the church and made some very blurry lines. And we need to be mindful of those things. You know, I, I... 
I, I posed this question one time. What things were tolerated back in the day that are completely now accepted and we don't even realize that it's wrong? And there's going to be more and more things like that. That if we continue to tolerate certain things and continue to, to go down that road, what eventually is going to bleed into the church that the future generations don't even recognize are wrong? Verse 8. For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for a woman, but woman for man. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. So that's just a reference in just saying that when you're going into a place of worship, it's saying that, you know, the, the presence of, of angels and that are within services and, and that. So it's just saying, make sure that you're wearing the head covering. So that, it's just kind of saying in the, in the same idea, dress modestly when you're going to church. That's kind of what, what it's saying flat out in that. Um, but nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman, and all things are from God. We are created by God and for God, plain and simple. That God designed and created each of us individually. He put a, a purpose and a personality and a plan in each of us. And those are to glorify our God. As Tyler talked about last week, that we are to live our lives glorifying God. And that should be our number one goal in life, is to bring glory to his name. We are to honor God with not just our words, but our actions and our appearance. What kind of, of messages are we giving by the way that, that we dress? What kind of messages are we giving in the way that we act? What kind of messages are we, we giving people not just with dress appearance, but also our countenance appearances or our attitude appearances or our anger or our pride or any of those things when we walk out and we are appearing in those things? What kind of an appearance are we, are we showing people? And as I said, in this case, not dressing modestly is a dishonor to your spouse and a distraction from God. I know I may be stepping on some toes here, but I'm not trying to. I just want to under, you to understand that it's important in the appearance that we give. And if we are, both men and women, if we are not representing and we are dressing to draw attention to ourselves in a way, it's not the most... It's not the best thing. <laughs> our, our jobs and, and the way we live this life is to draw attention to our Father. Remember that it is not just man that bears the image of God, but it is male and female together. That both of us were created in the, in the image of God. Both of us bear a resemblance, and we are all imitators and I love that, you know, in that passage when it says that we bear the image and the likeness of God, the, the word uh, for image is, I'm going to probably butcher this, it's Selem, it's T-S-E-L-E-M, and it means like to, to a cutout or in likeness of. So I thought that that was really interesting, like carved out, 
We are carved into the image of God. So Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So often, you know, people can read this passage and think that, hey, man is supposed to lord over women. That is not what this passage is trying to say. And it's even coming out here, it's that, yeah, women were created by man or from man, but now women give birth to men. And that we are both created equally in the likeness of our Heavenly Father. So when we give our lives over to Him, we are no longer independent of our lives. And what we say, do, and look like are the representation of Christ that people will see. Everything we do, that if we are boldly wearing the name of Jesus, people are going to be drawn to us to watch what we do, to watch the actions, to watch our words. And that's a lot of weight to bear. But when we can live out a life like Christ, no matter how many people are watching, people will come to know who Jesus is. So as a heavy responsibility, I implore you to not blend in, to not just be a spy, to not just try to move around this world without being noticed, without being seen. Let our light shine. We were ultimately all created in the Im- uh, to be image bearers and should be image reflectors in the culture. If we only reflect in here and not out there, we are missing the point. If we are only coming on Sundays and acting as though we, we follow Christ, but we are not doing it in the world, we are not reflecting Christ to this world. We are not being his image bearers. We need to be out there being a walking image of Jesus because people nowadays will never meet him in person. It is our job and our responsibility to bear that image. Close out the uh, the last portion of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 11, chapter 13. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him? But if a woman has long hair, it is her glory? For her hair is given to her for a covering. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we, we have no such patient or practice, nor do the churches of God. If we are fighting as a church or as a people to blend into the culture or or are we fighting to blend into the culture, or are we willing to stand out? Because sometimes we in the church begin to get contentious. We begin to fight and say that we should be okay with these things. We should be doing these things. But again, if it's against the image of Christ, if it's against walking as imitators of him, we cannot continue to fall into that. Think about how you personally represent Christ in your day-to-day life. Are you the same person here at church as you are throughout the week? Are you the same person here at church as, as you are with your family at home?
Are we representing Christ in every aspect of our lives? It's impossible to do it every second. Not, we can't do that as humans because our flesh continues to battle against us, but our desire to, should be to be more and more like him. And when we mess up, get up and continue going. Start over. It's okay. Are we intentionally or unintentionally doing things that disgrace the image of God? Think about that. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it might be an unintentional thing. And if we are fighting for things in the culture, or that culture says you should do and accept, but it goes against the word of God, check it at the door. Leave it there. And the last thing I want to say, and Ben, you can go ahead and come back up. As ambassadors for Christ, we are in a foreign land. And we are not bound to the rules as we are walking on sovereign soil, recognizing that whatever happens here, we are safe in the arms of a sovereign God. That wherever we as ambassadors of Christ are walking, we can represent that we are not doing it alone because we have a sovereign God that goes with us wherever we go. And no matter how much bearing the image of God may bring things against us, we can recognize that there is more than this life because God has put eternity on our hearts. This life is temporary. Don't allow yourself to continue to hide because you are a light that can make a difference to somebody else. Don't blend in. God created you for a reason and with a purpose. Let your light shine because your image of Christ could bring somebody to know him. Tyler talked about this last week. If we, are, if we are to be about others, if our lives are to be about others than ourselves, but we look like everyone else, how will people know who to go to? I want to be a person that when somebody is hurting and somebody is searching for Jesus, I want somebody to find me. I want somebody to, to recognize within me that there's something different. Do you want this for your life? Do you want to be somebody that when somebody's going through a really hard time in life, they know who to go to because your light is shining? If we look like Christ and we are different than the world, it will be easy for those searching to find us. And I want it to be easy to find, I want it to be easy for others to find him. You know, this is our desire. This should be our desire for life. And while we're here, You know, maybe you're somebody in this room and you're living in that darkness and you've been searching to try to find a way out. Today is an opportunity because there are people in this room that love you, that bear the image of Christ and would love 
to walk with you. Because I think we can all recognize that life is hard. Decisions that we have to make every day are hard. And things aren't getting better. Which is why we have more of a job and a responsibility to stand out. So if you don't know Jesus, we would love to take some time to introduce you. Or maybe you've been introduced to a wrong Jesus at some point in time that is hateful. That's not the real Jesus. Jesus loves you. And we want to give the opportunity for you to know him. And we would love to pray for you either during this song or after. But let me pray for you this morning. Father God, I just want to thank you that you created us to be your image. God, you knew in the moment that, that you created Adam and Eve in your image that they were going to choose to not follow you, that they were going to choose to bite that fruit and become a broken image of who you are. And God, we still live that out today, that we are all broken images of you. But Lord, as we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, those broken pieces begin to come back together. And more and more every day that we choose to be like you, more pieces are put back together. So God, I pray for those that are feeling broken in this room. Lord, that you would bring somebody that, that truly represents you into their lives to, to help them find healing, to help them find you, to help them find peace, to help them find salvation in you, Jesus. God, that I, I pray that we as a church would be true image bearers for you, not just with our, our words, but with our actions and with our appearances and the way that we reflect you. God, I pray that we would continue to strive each and every day to look like you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And also, if you want the notes, there's a study guide in the back, so please feel free to take it.